0: From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fires from freedom. With another episode of the Clover Attack Podcast, listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go what's up crew it is march the what is today the second it is the second of 2023 recording another clover tack podcast powered by mtm case guard so real quick on those folks over at mtm guardcom uh, if you're looking for anything shooting sports related that's made out of plastic well MTM Case Guard, you know, has been the uh, leader in, in injection molded plastics for decades at this point. A well-known brand uh, in the industry, in the community, and proud to have them uh, on board. Go check out the storage solutions they have, the rest, the tables, uh, all kinds of cool things. Again, MTM Case Dash. Don't forget the get the dash there. MTM Case-Guard.com. And if you use uh, CloverTac, you'll get that uh, 10% off. So save a little bit of that. Hard-earned money. We're going to have a fun conversation today, I think. I'm all about some shotgunning and shotgun sports. Even though I totally suck at it, uh, I really do enjoy uh, enjoy getting out and doing that. So we've got uh, John with uh, USA Clay Target League patiently waiting in the back. And we're going to get to him here shortly. But before we do, big thanks to the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, those at Super Chat, Super Thanks, and shop, of course, at CloverTech.com slash shop with all the uh, swag stickers patches and other things uh, over there you can check out Uh, i do want to say real quickly that if you are out there live make sure that if you have questions as we move forward uh, or comments that uh, contribute to the conversation throw those out there in the live chat Uh, i will star them be patient we will get to them as the conversation dictates Uh, and if you're in replay audio video wherever there's probably a comment section below you can participate there as well Uh, proud member proud to be a member i should say of the professional outdoor media association palma and uh, also the farms radio network where you can find this podcast along with a lot of other cool podcasts so be sure to go check that one out so with all that bloviation out of the way the uh, man of the hour here let's get him in here we've got john how are you john clover thanks for having us
1: on I'm, i'm doing great today
0: I'm uh I'm happy to I'm happy you're here. I'm happy to talk shotgunning. The audience out there knows I'm all about some shotguns, love me some shotguns. Um and as I said, I'm not very good at it but uh but I enjoy it, put to you that way. I'm much better, I think, uh at uh at bird hunting than I am shooting the Shooting the clay pigeons, you know. That makes two of us. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I hear that a lot from people. I really do. But uh, before we jump into the clay target league, the history of all of that, all of the different options is out there because there's a ton going on. I'm sure. Um, I'm going to give you the floor just for a minute. Introduce yourself. Give us a little bit of your history, backstory. If you got embarrassing stories, those are always wonderful. Uh, I'll let you uh, run with it here for a couple of minutes if you would like.
1: Well, I have lots of them, so um basically and, I, and i'll start with the the league overall is is we're a nonprofit organization that provides clay target shooting sports as an extracurricular activity to schools which can be high schools colleges even homeschools. and um and by doing that we are we're really becoming an independent provider of that activity to these schools so we're really not associated with any type of high or state high school athletic association or others but uh, our goal within the league, and and what we do, is we have three priorities that are safety, fun, and marksmanship in that order. And so that's mm-hmm. that's the league's really vision and foundation that that we started this league uh, many years ago. And and so where where I got involved was uh, it goes as early back in the 1990s when I when I worked for an ad agency as a creative director and. My uh, my boss, who owned the agency, uh, his name was Jim Sable. And Jim, um, after selling the agency and um, and exiting the advertising business to to move on to retirement, is he he really got to his local shooting range where Jim was an avid trap shooter um, at a little one house range in Plymouth, Minnesota, and where. Where Jim really got started is when he got to the shooting range at the tender age of 60, he found out he was one of the younger members at the wow. shooting range. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. and so it didn't take long for him to figure it out because they, you know, a, a truck driver came in with a pile of targets and asked the the young kids to come out and unload the truck, and Jim was one of them. So, <laughs> Wow. wow. But really where, where things turned is, is Jim really found out through some research and utilizing other shooting ranges throughout the state of Minnesota and through the DNR that he had found out that the shooting sport community is, was declining in participation, similar to the hunting industry for decades. Now, what year was this roughly? This would have been in 2000. Okay. Okay. Jim conducted the survey and eventually Jim earned the title of becoming the youth program director at the Plymouth gun club here in Minnesota. And so what Jim did is Jim worked with some local kids that were in groups that happened to be tied with their schools. And he got those kids together on a weekly basis to kind of compete and have fun. And that, that really was, it was three schools that were in the twin cities metro area here. And, um, and from that, as, as he gathered these kids, they found out that they had friends and others that wanted to, to join the festivities and clay target shooting sports. And so what, what Jim did is he started up this, this kind of friendly competition on a weekly basis amongst these teams that each of these teams had about 10 kids and, uh, and through those teams. And so for a couple of years that ran at the Plymouth gun club and you know one day jim calls me up and i was still working i I was not retired yet and he called me up and he said you know john i i think there's something here he uh he said i got these kids they're with the schools they love clay target shooting sports i'm wondering if there's a way for us to get kids guns and schools together to create a high school sport Mm -hmm. well (laughs) <laughs> Who can't imagine a bigger challenge than that when you put those three words in a sentence? And and so because of Jim's background in communications and, and mine, obviously on, on the same side of marketing is, is we thought, you know, let's see what type of opportunity is that we can do this. And what Jim had done is he had talked to the Minnesota State High School League and the executive director that was there. And he asked, Dave Stead was a gentleman's name. And he said, how can Clay Target become a high school sport? How can it look, t- smell like a high school sport, taste like a sport? How do the kids get recognized just the way that they do in other high school sports? And and Dave was a very, very insightful character. And he said, he said, here's how you do it. And he showed us, you know, the the tools and the trades and the language and, and the other things that were associated with other sports. At the same time, lacrosse was trying to become a sanctioned sport. Oh, okay. And, and so what we did is we we said, hey, I, I think we can move forward with this. And so in addition to talking to the high school league, what we also did is we conducted focus groups, not against people who look like you and I and and most of the shooting sport community, is we talked to kids. Right. And we talked to kids about if Clay Target could become a sport, what would you like about that? And they said, hey, we'd like to be recognized by the school. How sure. do we be on a school name, a team name, just like the other sports? How do we get lettering opportunities? How do we get into a yearbook? You know, these are all the things associated with the school. In addition to, is a lot of these kids won't, you know, participate on any other high school teams. In fact, right. You know, 40% of the kids that are in our league don't participate in any other sport. So it was very yep. important to this certain set of group. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was at that time then when, when we realized after talking to the high school league, after talking to the kids, after talking to parents, we realized that shooting sports didn't have a shooting sport problem. It had a marketing problem. Right. And, and that's when we took it and really looked at how do we solve a marketing problem and, and what can we do to, to make this look? And so that was the first year in 2008 that we started the Minnesota state high school clay target league. Wow. And we started with three teams and 30 kids. And there were a couple handfuls of coaches and adults that were helping, you know, with these kids and help them conduct the shoots. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we really, worked hard to try to position this as not only how important it is for the kids, but how important it is for the schools. Right. And and what really became key here is we sat with many school administrators, the athletic directors, the superintendents, the principals, school board members even. And, and we asked, you know, how do you determine what type of activity, you know, is started at the school or even one that doesn't get approved or, or is eliminated from the school curriculum. Mm-hmm. And what we realized is schools were struggling with all kinds of things when looking at sports. If you, if you add one for one gender, you have to add it for the other as a sport is concerned, what type of facilities do you need gyms and, and fields? What type of maintenance title nine compliance? So what you do for the boys, you have to do equally for the girls. Um, adaptive sports so for kids that have physical disabilities you have to provide special items for them in order for the to, to participate funding obviously is very important anything you add on oh, yeah. travel to to facilities and the cost of travel and schools and so when we looked at conducting the league we looked at all these boxes that needed to be checked off by a, by a school board mm-hmm. and uh, we checked all of them and, nice. and that's what really started to turn the battleship in the pond, that not only we're we fulfilling a family and a and a kid's needs in participating in sports, but also now all of a sudden on the school side of it. Right. And, um, and I can't lie, there, there's a lot of doors that were closed on us really quickly when we said that. we am sure. Yeah. This problem. Oh, by the way, it involves a shotgun. So, <laughs> right. right. Yeah, what? Yeah. huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so from, from and that's
0: obviously, that's obviously the, I I was going to ask you with all the boxes to check all the things you were doing, what was the biggest hurdle? I'm sure that was probably the biggest hurdle. By far, by far, no doubt. How did, how did specifically, how did you guys deal with that? And, and I guess what I'm getting at a more pointed question would be, were there folks, were there school boards, were there administrators, were there people that you reached out to that were maybe on the fence or a little bit questionable? And you were able to talk them
1: into it? Yeah, well, as you can imagine, we had extremes. Um, You know, for those that would be on school board members that were outdoor enthusiasts, that was an easy sell. Right. Um, But for others that were on that fence or completely on the other side, what we used is we used facts and data to talk about how safe clay target shooting sports is. Yep. And and when when we have that information, what we did then is we compared it against other high school sports mm-hmm. and, safer and than football. We, yep. Safer and so NBA. what we found out, you know, through obvious sports that Clay Target was a lot safer than any other sports. Yep. And and if the school boards, you know, if, if their responsibility is to shoot, ensure the safety of their student, you know, education community, um, why wouldn't you consider a sport? that is the safest. Right. And and so, you know, in our early days, we really didn't have proof of performance in order to justify it. So we had to rely on industry data to to help do that for us. Right. Yeah. And and so that, that was a challenge, you know, these days, it's a lot easier because we, we talk about the hundreds of thousands of kids we put through our program and we pulled the trigger hundreds of millions of times and we've never had an injury.
0: Right. So Now we
1: got the proof of performance, but in our early days, it uh, it absolutely was a challenge.
0: Yeah. Well, I come from a I come from a 4-H youth shooting sports background. So uh, I'm I'm very familiar with even though we weren't a part of the schools. I'm very familiar with you know, having to work with the schools at least in some capacity. I'm very familiar with you know the negatives the, the the people that are not the firearm owners that you know I'm not going to say they're anti-gun, but you know they're definitely uh, questioned everything and concerned about it. Um, and yeah, what you're talking about with the sports, a lot of folks, they don't, they don't think that I think because of firearms involved, that it's one of the, you know, like, Oh, that's just so dangerous. And you're like, well, first of all, contact sports, they're smacking each other (laughs) at full speed, running down the field all the time. You know, you got a chance of getting hit with a baseball at however many miles an hour a high school pitcher can throw. Right. Um, you know, that sort of thing. And there's when you look at it, I know that in some of the uh, instructor classes that I've had, uh, I've had to look this up. And this was years ago. Um, and I don't know. I may have been looking at some of the same data you guys was using. But, you know, shooting sports fell well into the teens on a list of organized sports as far as how dangerous they are. I think football was number one, which yeah, probably should be. Um, but then, you know, it was above things like tennis, even, which was unbelievable you're like how how in the world like how do you get injured at, at tennis i don't know but i don't play tennis so <laughs> yeah.
1: i i believe gymnastics is a top three injury sport yeah uh, you know and so no no one ever yep. thinks about that nor do they question it well at the same time how do school administrators ask about our safety record but they don't even know their own when they're when they're challenged right. with it? Is, especially for me in front of a school board when i ask is how many injuries have you had in the sports that you sponsor, and they don't know the answer (laughs) i said well maybe you should exactly and and so and you know probably one of the most compelling moments is uh, we were invited to a superintendent's conference in northern minnesota and there was a group of about 35 superintendents in the room and we went through our speech and we we got questioned and unfortunately you know our meeting was shortly thereafter a, a school shooting that was you know quite tragic and you know we were getting questioned quite a bit at that meeting and we had a uh, a superintendent stand up and he simply made the comment that um he he knew his data that one in nine uh students would come in contact with a firearm before the age of 18 mm-hmm. and what he said is do we want our kids to learn about firearms in school or on the street bingo and boy, I'll tell you that that moment was an aha moment. At that time, I didn't say it; A school administrator said it. And you know, within two years, we probably had thirty of those thirty-five schools on board. You know, nice. as in our in our clay target program, right? I would add on to that to
0: say that um, do you want them to learn it? You know, in the school versus on the street, assuming that they don't learn it at home, right? Uh, we know for a lot of people that's you know they they take their parenting serious and their firearm owners and they take that responsibility serious to, of course educate their their kiddos on it. Um, I think one thing you know you mentioned kind of at the very first when you you were talking about your mantra the, the whatever, and you said uh, safety. Fun and marksmanship, and I love that. That's one of the. You know, I don't want to say it's it's verbatim, but that's one of the things that we would adhere to as well. Even if you're talking about getting adults into into shooting sports, it's got to be safe. You've got to be able to assure people that they're not going to get hurt or injured, or you know that sort of thing. And then you got to make it fun because who wants to do something if it's not fun, right?
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah. Um, and I think that I think that goes a long way when you're talking about. Uh, You know, how far down that shooting sports are on the list as far as dangerous sports activity. I think that's why it's because anybody that's serious and I do want to get into maybe coaching credentials and that sort of thing here in a little bit. But, um, you know, if you're taking the program seriously, right, um, then that's going to be reflected in the in how dangerous that that is. Can fires be dangerous? Well, obviously, they can be dangerous. But if we take that safety seriously, those, the risk is mitigated to near zero just by following the three rules or four, depending on, uh, which camp you subscribe to, uh, the three or four rules of firearm safety, just adhering to those, you know, it, it mitigates the, uh, the odds of, you know, an accident or something like that to near zero.
1: Well, and, and, and as a league is we require every student athlete to have a firearm safety certification. And so even as we go to schools and talk to school board members, uh, we're the only sport in high school that requires safety certification. Nice. So what would happen if all sports did that? Right. You know, would all our kids be safer? Mm-hmm. And, and so when you ask, ask those questions and, and there's no answers to that, again, it, it has that immediate perception with the league that we do take safety and you know as far as it is our number one priority and we prove it you know on a day to day basis so now
0: on the uh, let's kick it over to the to the fun aspect for a minute um, what's that look like when you're bringing you know trying to get new kids into the program what are some of the things you've done over the years to to make sure that coming into it is obviously later on as they, as they grow, as they, they get better, it becomes more and more competitive, I'm sure, but it's gotta be fun at the first. And what are some of the things you guys have done to make that happen?
1: Yeah. So where, where we found out really early is, is we took the mantra that inclusion was more important than exclusion. Mm -hmm. And so when we, when we started developing the league and and what's unique about our league is we don't have a, a limit on team size. We base oh, competition okay. and conferences up. We base it off a of team size, not geographic location or school size. So we have teams as small as uh, three, and we have wow. teams as large as 155. Whoa! And so, but when you're in between, is you compete against teams of similar size. So obviously, it's important, you know, for some of these teams that are managing very large teams, you know, to provide an aspect of it that keeps them engaged, but. In our early days is we developed and we trademarked a a program called true team scoring so it's similar to to swim and track where regardless of a team size is we use 75 percent of a team score um, to utilize to create a team score and so we understand that teams are recruiting uh new athletes they haven't shot at a target before or they're new to the firearm and what we don't want to do is put the pressure on them to have performance right out of the shoot right and so we don't worry so much about the 25 percent of kids on a team because if they want to have low scores for whatever reason it doesn't count nice. and and we'll keep them coming back and so from from the true team scoring is really it invites everyone as first time 60 percent of the kids that come in our league have never shot at a clay target before Wow, About 30% have never pulled the trigger on a firearm before, you know, except for their firearm safety certification. So, mm-hmm. so that is the component of that to keep that aspect of it fun. And then what we do is then when we hold our season ending tournaments is we invite everybody and by doing so is the, we have, we flight those uh, student athletes by their scoring averages. And so when you're a novice shooter and you average 12, targets out of 25 you're shooting against other athletes that just shoot 12 nice. out of 25 and so it doesn't matter about that ability when you're showing up at our events as you still have an opportunity to compete in an event that you've never seen before in in some cases and well in and certainly in some of our states it's the largest clay target shooting sport event in the world mm-hmm. um that these kids and their family members get to enjoy this and and yep. Probably the funnest part about this is to see three generations standing behind that athlete enjoying them compete in a school-sponsored sport,
0: right? Or, and this is a, a big thing, and you kind of alluded to it uh, earlier, where they might not have the opportunity to compete in other school sports. That's one of the yeah. the beauties that I've always enjoyed and loved about uh, about shooting sports in general. I mean, we've got, Uh, folks out there may or may not know you know shaky dave for example uh and not making fun of him that's that's what he calls himself but um, dave is a competitive shooter who has parkinson's right Yeah. and like who would think i mean most people that have parkinson's you know they have a hard time dealing with things and that's part of his therapy and of course he shares that with everybody else but you know take that down to uh, to the kiddo levels, I mean, how many kids are too small or they're not the fastest or whatever the case may be. And in shooting sports. It's a much level playing field when it comes to physical ability.
1: Yeah. You know, the, the, what we tell people is you only need to have two things. Good hand and eye coordination. You know, right. and who has that better than kids?
0: Well, especially video
1: games, right? Video <laughs> yeah. games on that big yeah. time. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we can have somebody from the dance team, you know, a young lady from the dance team, you know, competing right next to a big football player. and right. It doesn't matter. And, and so that's in addition to that, it's it's if you show up at our events, you get to shoot just as many targets as the best shooter on the team, regardless of your skill level. Right. And, and so, I, again, it's about that opportunity and the inclusion component of it. Um, we, we've worked really hard to maintain that fun aspect. Granted, we still keep, you know, we still keep scores. We still, you know, hand out awards. Um, but you know, we measure success by the smiles that come off the field and yeah, and that's the 100%. most important part of it.
0: Right. So with the, uh, with the coaching credentials and, and getting people, uh, lined out, I mean, I've got several questions on the, the nuts and bolts of, you know, how people out there can actually get involved. Um. That's obviously going to be a big component, right? Is is there a certification process that uh, you put people through? Or how does that work to become a, uh, a coach for the league?
1: Yeah. So our, the league has a requirement of one coach for every 10 kids. You know, we believe oh, that's good. You know, mentors are an important part of, of a you know, child's not only education, but in life. But what the, the league actually averages one for every four. student nice. athletes. So at the time in in schools where coaches are saying, hey, parents, stand behind the fences, stay off the field. We say the complete opposite. <laughs> right. We say get involved, you know, engage with these kids, teach them some life lessons. And so what we do is we have various levels of coaching opportunities for these teams. We'll have a head coach that's obviously responsible for the team, and we provide a certification for that. We call it our class, which is our coach leadership and safety support a training okay. program that teaches that we have RSOs range safety officers that that partake on the field that are responsible for the safety on the field we'll have assistant coaches that help with them and then we have team staff members so we have moms and dads or or brothers and sisters that are helping cook hot dogs you know while the kids aren't shooting and right. preparing other fun activities for them to do that and so um, we, we, kind of like have, athletic boosters, I guess. Absolutely. Lane. Yeah. And so we, we have nearly, I think we had, uh, last season we had 9,980 coaches on staff. Whoa. Yeah.
0: Okay. And that's
1: nationwide
0: or that's nationwide. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. Very cool. Um, that was a question you we were, we were going along there and I was like, okay, what about this? Um, well, well, Let's 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 back up. I may may remember. Oh, youth. That's what I was one. Is there a mechanism for youth coaching or youth leaders uh, in the organization at all? Um,
1: youth leaders and being sense of
0: the the kids themselves having some type of responsibility, being a president or a, oh, you know, absolutely. A whatever. Yeah. It's sim-
1: similar to other uh, high school sports. You have team captains, assistant okay. captains who need to be role models against, you know, those that are new to a team. Uh, so we advise coaches in different roles and responsibilities. And, and one thing you'll you know, you'll know notice on many clay target teams if, is you'll have three different sets of kids. You'll have the mm-hmm. the ones who wanna be the next Olympian who will practice forever and, and go through a lot of shells and, and trying to make that happen. You have right. another set of kids uh, that's a large majority of that that just love the sport, love being around their groups, you know, have been in the sport trying to excel at it but don't want to put the time in to to become experts and then you'll have a new set of kids that are just purely their pride for the social aspect of it mm-hmm. you know it's so- a new set of friends that have a mutual interest in the outdoors whether it be hunting or clay target or camping or whatever it is um it's a pretty uh, wide audience and and as said earlier whether you know somebody's in a wheelchair or or it doesn't matter you know what that what that uh, student is it's uh, they're attractive to everyone when they're holding a shotgun
0: right now if there are folks out there that are, are curious about you know i guess first of all um maybe getting finding out if there's something in their area and i'm sure they can do that through the website right
1: they can yeah so if if viewers go to uh usaclaytarget.com is you can select the high school league, and select the college league that we have, and then also a homeschool league. And then okay, they can nice. find their respective states and or areas to see if that there's teams you know in their areas. And if they don't have a team, we can help them get one started. We uh, give them all right. the tools to go to school administrators to pitch it, um, to, uh, to really uh, provide those opportunities. Uh, we can start a team with as few as two kids um, oh, wow. what, okay. we, what we've seen is is teams will grow for about five to six years before they kind of reach capacity at the shooting range. And um, and, and so it, it just whether it's a mom who's never been involved in shooting sports, typically there's gun club members that are helping. You know, tr- gun club members are tremendous help to these teams. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we couldn't run this league without the support of the gun clubs and, and the shooting ranges that participate. Uh, they provide the assistance the guidance to get these teams started in many cases they're coaches and volunteers mm-hmm. uh it, it really goes back to the first day of the plymouth gun club you know when there was a a, a pile of uh older folks that love to see this new audience come their their league and, and to be part of that
0: right yeah and uh, i do have a link down below for anybody that's watching listening whatever you can go through there it's uh, it's nice to see, I mean, that if somebody wants to start something up, you just have to have that interest. You guys are pretty much going to going to help out and provide the rest. That's really, really awesome. Yeah. And with the experience you have, that's the important thing. If somebody was to try to go pitch it on their own, that's one thing. But you guys are, are offering all the experience and know-how, which is really cool.
1: We do. We, we tell schools that, you know, hey, if – uh, for those that are, you know, I'm not too sure about this. Uh, I'm not sure it's a good idea. As you know, we tell schools you don't have to worry about being a frontiersman because 1,500 schools beat you to it. Mm-hmm. And, and so once they kind of figure that out, that uh, huh, if it's okay for them, it must be okay for us. <laughs> right. That uh, that right. uh, they, it's pretty easy to come aboard. And we we typically add between 150 and 250 teams a year. So it's a, uh, wow. it's a very large offering. Yeah, the league actually receives almost 2000 inquiries a year to start a team. Wow, that's crazy. We're working with these 1000s of families and and not all of it is as simple as walking in the door and getting approval when you walk out. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. schools that have taken years, you know, to come aboard. Um, But the important part is, is there's a real insurge in a bottom up sales strategy, as we call it, that it's very difficult for a school board or administrators to say no to a room full of kids that want to participate in the sport right right
0: um yeah we've covered a lot with the uh with the organization and everything else let's get to let's get to a few of the a few of the questions out here that we've got and this is going to get more into i guess giving people some insight into shotgunning into uh, shotgun sports In general if they haven't thought about it Uh, we do got a question from uh, from G-Webs out here which kind of goes along With what 500 Magnum was saying Uh, He says a technical question He said on the shotguns uh, What uh, gauge do kids typically use 12, 20, something else And then we've got 500 Magnum That says probably 410 So I'm going to jump I'm going to jump the shark or the gun so to speak Whatever on this one uh, And say two 500 Magnums 410 that's the most horrible ca- uh, gauge that you could ever put in a first-timer's hands to try to learn uh, clay target shooting, in my opinion, with my experience. Uh, but with that said, John, uh, what is your what is your recommendation if somebody is wanting to get a first-timer in? What do they normally start out with gauge-wise?
1: Well, as and so to answer the questions, is we ask the athletes and the registrants a lot of questions. So we're a very data driven organization. So I love questions like this because I can say that 80% of the student athletes use a 12 gauge, 18% right. use a 20 gauge, and then the remaining 2% are about that 410 range. And so, right. you know, as we tell everyone that, you know, the, the best shotgun to use is the one that fits you the best. Sure. And, and, and so by, by working with the coaches and by, by working with, the, obviously, the, the local gunsmith and the shooting range and, and the retail outlets, they're the ones that are best qualified to see what fits. But what's unique about, about the kids is, obviously, is not only do their physical attributes change over their life cycle within the league. I mean, some of the kids in our league have been there for 9, 10 years if they're in Newark College League. But their physical attributes change and their shooting skills change.
0: Yep. So we'll yep. see,
1: you know, these kids go through three, four, five shotguns, you know, in the life cycle right. within the league. Right. And so even through the surveys and the data that we collect from our, from our registrants, our league is responsible for almost selling one firearm per family
0: per year. Whoa. Well, that's uh, that's certainly good for the for the industry side of things oh, without, without a doubt keeping that going there's yeah. a lot of a lot of excise yeah.
1: tax dollars going to help you know <laughs> the states and their conservation efforts but right yeah right. i mean between between the forty thousand shotguns that'll be sold this year because of these families um each student athlete goes through seven cases of ammunition a year too so that's right. uh, well over a quarter of a million cases of ammunition wow
0: that's that's awesome. Uh, yeah, GWubs goes on. Uh, he says, uh, any preference requirements uh, on the type of shotgun that they use, brake versus pump or, or semi-auto, uh, how does that break down? you have any idea on how that breaks down on what most kids use?
1: We we do not ask that. What we do know is, is a lot of the kids have hunted previously. And, uh, and so we'll see a lot of transition, you know, between the pump and the semi- you know, that's coming from the hunting side of it versus the true clay target, you know, over, under, uh, you know, single shot. Right. Clay right. Shotgun. And so that that's where we'll see a lot of the the differences. But but we'll also see that transition of getting out of the hunting shotgun, getting into right. more of a traditional, you know, clay target shotgun right. that, uh, that we'll see.
0: Yeah. And I think that's I think that's uh, I think that's the way most of the time that it goes. I mean, unless they may have been using you know, an over under for some type of bird hunting or something like that. Right. Uh They'll come into use, but yeah, over my years, I, I think the same thing, they pretty much bring in what dad or grandpa or whatever has, and that's kind of how they start out, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, and and you would be, is, ha-
1: is the, is the student athlete will eventually end up with a better shotgun than dad or grandpa too. Right. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah. And you
0: would be surprised. I've seen, uh, I've seen a kiddo, bringing his dad's 870 pump Uh, and we ran a sporting clays course and even on true pairs uh i couldn't believe he was able to work the pump that quick but he'd been hunting with it right for years and i mean he was kind of used to being able to pump it quick and, and getting back on and it was it was really interesting to see i thought this kid is not gonna have any fun he's gonna on true pairs and things like that it's just it's it's gonna be terrible yeah. And, uh, and he crushed it. He did. He did well. Now he eventually ended up in a CZ over and under, like you're you're yeah. talking about, right? And he did even better when he moved to that, that platform. It just fit him better. That's the I think the biggest thing. It um, is. A lot of people don't realize that with the shotgun, you know, 410 gauge. As you get as you get smaller in gauge, the level of difficulty because of simply the, the spread, the shot pattern, is going to increase, and that's what makes 410 so difficult, in my opinion. Um, it is
1: and, and what we've seen too is, is shotgun manufacturers are really responding to our audience mm-hmm. i mean when you see the adjustability options that are coming in shotguns um it's really giving these kids an opportunity to stay with the Satan shotgun you know for for more years than what a typical shotgun yeah would fit them but it's um it's it's really encouraging for us to see that there there's these kids are definitely a, a market for these manufacturers right uh,
0: yeah, we've got uh, 500 Magnum out there. He's asking, does anybody use a 10-gauge? And he's talking about the 16-gauge, too, out there. So you said that 2%. That's a mix, is what you're saying. It's a mix between the,
1: the 28s, the 16s, and 410s. Most of them are 410s. And yeah. and the 410s will be around the smallest kid you could possibly imagine, a 12-year-old, sure. yeah. you know, that, that may yeah. be participating. Yeah. It. Yeah. But I got to tell you,
0: we've had we've – mm-hmm. We've had girls as young as ten get through our 4-H shooting sports curriculum and shotgun before shooting a 12-gauge, and we're not talking about we're not talking about big husky girls. We're talking about you know what you would you know the girly little girls, little little bitty girls, right? Um, and so, don't think that uh, you know if they're once they get used to the recoil right and i yeah. think that's the main thing it's like if they're if you take a, a kiddo that's never shot a shotgun before and you put them behind a 12 gauge or god forbid a 10 gauge right right off the bat it's oh, it's probably give them a heavy, heavy load. load you know if you or give a heavy load, load and their shoulder True.
1: hurts for two weeks they won't come back you know so yep. um or so let so them
0: shoot or let them shoot too much where their shoulder yeah too yep. could be a thing yep. yeah yeah totally um we got g webs out here he says what percent of the kids are hunters uh what would you say you have any any data on that like how many come into the program that have been through that
1: 78 percent.
0: 78 wow yep. okay
1: so that so that's where you know what what we have and and again we we have kids come in that are you know have handled a shotgun previously but when we say that 60 percent have never shot at a clay target before you know, what we're doing is is we're taking the hunters that might shoot a box of shells a year um, mm-hmm. and really moving them over to a sport where they're going through seven cases a year. So as the right. manufacturers and the in the you know in the uh in the shot shell industry is really reaping the benefits from that. And so when we look at what they're shooting at, is you know, most of the stuff is is a waterfowl or or some type of bird hunting. Uh, where you know large, uh, large animals are, are less prevalent in the hunting. But regardless, some many of these kids are coming in that have hunted. What's really been unique about the league and these kids is we've also seen, and through our survey data, is we've seen a surge that 60% of the kids' families have re-engaged into shooting sports. Oh, so if you get yeah. the kid involved in yep. shooting sports, then guess what? mom yep. and dad and siblings are coming back into the sport
0: mm-hmm. or getting into it for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that. Um, yeah, we,
1: we, we've had, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of teams that conduct, uh, mother kid days and, nice. and, you know, to show moms how to shoot a shotgun and, and how to shoot at, at some of those targets. So it is right. engaging a new audience. I mean, we have families that come in the league that really have never, ever had a firearm in their house. And so they're very hesitant on how they handle that. And and so when they start with a with a with a kid who's trained correctly, I mean, the, you know, a young person has never learned any bad habits. Um, right. Seeing exactly how it should go. And um, and so that's where we see then is, you know, it's as we tell families, it's like golf, only louder. You know, you're shooting as a five some, uh, you know, you're out in the field, you're having a lot of fun. It's, right. it's a really good
0: time. right um run through uh some more of these questions real quick uh gwebs continues out there thanks for all the questions if you have them out there by the way and gwebs is killing us out there with them but uh throw them out there in the chat we will uh we will get to them um said you mentioned reaching the range capacity uh earlier um in your opinion i mean are there enough ranges uh out there or do you think that there is more that are needed
1: there is not enough ranges period. It's as simple as that. We run into access problems a lot because the shooting sport industry struggled for so many decades that shooting ranges have closed down and -hmm. and developers have, have gathered those properties and they'll never become shooting ranges again. And these days, the ability to build new shooting ranges is not the easiest process. Right. And so where we running into issues is overcapacity at shooting range. And I'll, I'll, I'll use an example here at, um, at the Minneapolis Gun Club here in Prior Lake, south of the cities. But here's a club that started with us uh, in our early days. And this year is they are going to have 16 high school teams shooting there and two college teams. And each week they're hosting more than 700 student athletes at their club whoa now they're a 10 field facility they don't have the real estate to go out they they don't have any abilities to increase their capacity while at the same time and i'll use one team that shoots here as an example is they have a waiting list of 75 kids to get on the team oh that's not good so it's horrible we're turning away kids who want to be in the teams we have families that will add their kids to the waiting list when they're in second grade so that in four years, they'll move to the top of the list so they can join the team. And right. so we see these issues all the time. Now, we do have some states that are providing grants to shooting ranges to expand specifically for youth shooting sport teams. Right. Uh, and, and they're increasing their machineries and, and houses, adding those houses in order to help accommodate this. But we have an awful lot of communities, especially in very rural areas that just don't have a range to get to.
0: We um, we had the as far as this area, what are we talking about? 60 miles, probably at least for a 60 mile radius. There's two uh, shotgun clubs, I guess, uh, is what I would call them, um, and we would go to either one of those on occasion. But for the vast majority of ours, we had homemade stuff rigged up out in a field in a pasture like literally that's how we practice because of what you're talking about it was it, it wasn't that there i guess you could say there wasn't enough but you know the ones that were available were too far away to try to travel for you know twice a week practice or something like that um and then you know you had to be then they wanted um membership obviously for that sort of thing, like some type of membership and other things, which is added cost, and you get into just all these different complexities of it. So um, and I, I don't know you, what the medicine is for it.
1: Well, the, the medicine is, is there are federal agencies, state agencies that are there to support the shooting sport industry. There there's grants available and to, to do this, but what a lot of people don't understand is the the federal excise tax that States receive uh, from firearm and ammunition purchases is, you know, was over a billion dollars, you know, this past year. So it's a very important component. In fact, in most States, it's almost 30% of their revenue. What most people don't understand is 78% of those funds of the billion dollars is coming from recreational shooting sports. Mm -hmm. It's not coming from hunting is coming right. from recreational shooting sports. So unless we have the ranges out there uh, for these people to participate, and if we don't continue to, to support those efforts, is those funds will go down and everyone will suffer, You know, within their local communities from all aspects of what their uh, Fish and, and Game Wildlife Services offer.
0: Right. Um, I think you alluded to this one a little bit, but it kind of goes into the, the conversation right now too. Talking about the funding and the different stuff, but G Web says, uh, or he's asking, uh, is there any element of uh, quote gun safety awareness for the schools that have teams? Said last year's uh, first big federal gun control law put a lot of money on the table for gun safety in schools. So, have you seen any anything going on because of that?
1: Well, you know, we've we've seen uh, firearm safety instruction now being actually passed in laws to be taught in some schools. I think Wisconsin was one of those recent ones. And and as we, as we create this audience, I mean, I'll take our, our Minnesota for an example. We have 13,000 student athletes participating just in this state. Wow. And so if we can get firearm safety training and just like, you know, just like um, driver's training is all kids should be going through this for the reasons that we discussed earlier about how important firearm safety is. And so, if we start them young, if we can get that, the support, um, across the board, then, you know, then obviously it's going to help everyone. Uh, for those that really don't want to take those efforts and be proactive in, in those efforts, um, we have other states that try to close us down and, and they, they, you know, our audience is, is, uh, probably the next generation of, you know, of bad people out there. And so um, we work hard in order to help that. There's obviously a lot of partners out there that are helping us between the, you know, NRA and our foundation, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, conservation groups, Mm -hmm. all the all the state uh, groups. And and so it's it's important to utilize those facts and data that we all use that help the gun safety component of it. Uh, We currently are working uh, with the NSSF to provide Uh, safety locks, you know, at some of our events through their child safe program. So, again, if if it has to do with firearm safety, we're going to be the leader in that category.
0: Right. Um, And, you know, nothing could be talking about the next generation of troublemakers or whatever. Nothing could be further from the truth when it comes to youth shooting sports. Nothing. Um, Because I've seen – kiddos come into you know the programs i was involved with for example they were making bad grades in school right they were getting in trouble at home that whatever the case may be and they come into the program and you think that your first thought is oh, we're gonna have to watch this kid like you know like, they're gonna have to watch this kid like we really do it for the first little bit yeah probably so but i can't tell you the number of times we've taken in kiddos that were failing in school and turn them into a b on roll and you know just a matter of a few months they're making a b on a roll right they're doing better at home they're doing their chores they're you know the different things um it's just it's giving them something to, 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 something to focus on i think um which as we pointed out earlier a lot of kids they can't do that because they're not athletically inclined in the sense, in the, in the same way, you know, football, baseball, volleyball, whatever that might be. Right. Yeah. And so they don't have anything to put that focus into. And, uh, and also we got to, we got to talk about the community aspect as well. Right. So like if you're not a part of that football team or baseball team, right, that's a click. And those are, that's kind of your friends group and whatnot. And one thing that shooting sports can do is create that sense of a group and community, right? And you have a group of friends and that sort of stuff, too, which is is super beneficial when we're talking about kiddos. They need that type of, you know, I don't want to say positive peer pressure, but that social aspect, yeah. right? Instead of being an outcast.
1: They, they do. And that's, and that's why we work so hard for this to become a school-sponsored sports. Because not only what shooting sports provides in core values, you know, to kids and their families, mm-hmm. But when they're associated with a school sponsored activity, they're gonna do less drugs, less alcohol. They're gonna get better grades. They have more tendency to go to college. Um, and so all those additional things that benefit these kids, not just the kids, but their families, mm-hmm. all go to contribute to, to creating better people in, in our lives. And so um, it, it has been um, just absolutely pinnacle in, in setting those expectations and when, and when we can host our, our Minnesota trap shooting event, when we can host over 8,000 kids that come up for nine days in their families wow. and, and have that happen at a single event, and then you feel that you're at the safest place on earth, um, right. it's a good place to be.
0: Right. Um, I've never been at an event that big, biggest I've ever been with been at was a, around 700, a little over 700 kids. Um, and it was a fairly large range, a lot of events, mostly bullseye, you know, uh, rimfire stuff, uh, a little bit of archery mixed in there as well. And um, so then you've got parents and you've got siblings, right? So it could have been in the thousands or twelve hundred, but no, nothing like what you're talking about. That's yeah. insane.
1: Yeah, 8,000. Um, we have 75 vendors. We hold it over nine days. We have 25,000 attendees. It's, oh, uh, it, it's the greatest shooting sport event in the world. Yeah. But you're you're
0: right about the safest, and also probably the the friendliness of the environment as well. Yeah. Um, even though it's a competition setting, that's what's always blown my mind with any competitions we went through. There's there's the it's a friendly it is the epitome of friendly competition. Like nobody is rude. There's people helping other competitors helping each other out. You know, um, it's just a very friendly environment, and and you. You wouldn't think that as competitive as some of the kids and the coaches and the parents can be.
1: Well, what a lot of people don't understand too, especially in the non-shooting sport community, is it's a lifelong sport. I mean, not only in the friends' communities, but participation. So when I sit in front of school board meetings and I said, can you tell me how many football players, hockey players, gymnastics are all doing this sport in their 80s? There isn't a single sport that they're doing it. But you will see that in in clay target shooting.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, shooting sports uh, in general. Um, now, Z out there talking about the, the lack of ranges, the ability to train. He says, are there any electronic shotgun sport training options available to help buffer the lack of ranges uh, and help kids practice year-round? Do you know of any virtual, with 3D and virtual, whatever they call it nowadays, and that kind of tech? Is there anything coming Here's on? There's a in, lot of them. Uh,
1: yeah, there there, okay. there are there's a good handful that are some some very good off-season training similar to we again we compare it to golf like golf simulators there right. are yeah. the, the shooting sports simulators and. And um and obviously, I mean, even to the point now where, where the mock firearm that they're using, or even their real firearm with some attachments to it, will still right. give the you know the air compression, you know, of a shotgun, or even make some noises with that. So uh, certainly, it's not as fun as as chasing a forty three mile an hour target um, right. across the field, but it does provide some sense of off season play, and and certainly in our. In our tundra speed up in here in Minnesota, there's just not a lot of options. He's still shooting winter, but it's not fun when it's 20 below.
0: Um, yeah, no, I can imagine. Um, so I want to I want to shift gears, John, here just for a minute. We're getting close to the top of the hour for everybody out there. Thanks to G Webs, any others, uh, for the questions, but gonna have a little fun, John, if you'll uh if you're willing here for a few minutes. Um, I don't know, we don't have an official name for this segment. But uh, it's a, it's basically a this or that. I'm going to give you two choices. You don't have to explain your reason, but you have to pick one of these choices All right. uh, as quickly as you can. And, and we're just going to have a little fun. Um, uh, if you uh, if you had to, would you rather go line dancing or ballroom dancing?
1: Line dancing.
0: Uh, you rather watch Miami Vice or In the Heat of the Night?
1: Miami Vice.
0: Uh, who is your favorite, Doc Holliday or Billy the Kid? Billy the Kid. <laughs> had you rather ride a horse or a motorcycle? A horse. A horse. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, had you, if somebody was going to give you one, had you rather have an ATV or a boat? A boat. Um, had you rather go camping or on a cruise? Camping. Do you use Android or iPhone?
1: iPhone. (laughs)
0: Um, On handguns, uh, do you like red dots or prefer open sights? Red dots. Um, If you were dropped into either of these locations, which one had you rather be dropped into? In other words, you're going to be stranded. Which one had you rather be stranded in, a rainforest or the Sahara Desert?
1: Rainforest. Ew, that just sounds scary.
0: <laughs> there's a there's a lot of uh there's a lot of nasty poisonous things in the yes, rainforest <laughs> though, So you gotta be careful with yeah. that. Yeah, um, can I carry my red
1: dot if I get dropped in the rain? There you go. There you yeah. go.
0: Right. Um had you rather have a staycation or go on a road trip? We'll go on a road trip. There you go. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. down with that. I'm down with that. Um let's get into before we close out here, let's talk a little bit about you and, and Shotgunning and shotgun sports. Um, what shotgun do you typically use if you go out and uh to have fun or whatever with shotgun sports?
1: I, you know, I don't shoot a lot, I'm kind of like the golf pro that uh, <laughs> you know, you become the golf pro and you become put so enthralled within your business and what you do that yeah. you don't get to do the fun stuff, right? And, okay. and so, you know, I got one of my uh, you know, dad's old brownie 12 gauge shotgun that that I have okay. used forever that was handed down from my father when I was a kid. And right. it's kind of like the uh, 55 Chevy that I just, you know, can't let go. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we do a, some outings here. We at, at times get the, we, we visited the U S army last week and the marksmanship team, which was a lot of fun. So we got right. to shoot with some Olympians, which was pretty cool. And and to be perfectly clear, they did better than I did. So, um, <laughs> right. it's, um, Right. But, uh, i feel we, you we, yeah okay. we get we get a lot of opportunities to, and we get we get a lot of opportunities to try different shotguns from from the kids sure. from the families from the shooting ranges that we visit
0: what's one of the nicest ones you've ever you've ever seen
1: you know we uh we got a couple enthusiasts within our board of directors that have some pretty high-end Kriegos, um Ooh, okay custom <laughs> made and engraved sure. and Um, that's some that probably costs more than my first house.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Tens of thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. at minimum.
1: Tens of thousands. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that we, let's see, we, was it his senior year? There was a, it was a County over this kiddo was on a different, uh, and he ended up getting a scholarship too, by the way, but a County over, there was a kiddo. He was really good uh really good and his last year his senior year in the program like i said not in our club but a county over um and his last year blazer actually sponsored him and he got it was like a fifteen eighteen thousand dollar shotgun they sent this kid for his last year and it was all set up like completely custom link to pull comb like everything was custom on it and uh it was it was nice and he crushed the competition. Of course he was good. He was good. The shotgun can only make up for so much, but
1: it can. Uh, what, what's definitely. fun is when you show up at an event where we're hosting a thousand kids a day and you see a thousand different shotguns on the line, it's yep. uh it, it's a fun it, it's like a car show. Yeah.
0: Well, my daughter shot uh first starting out, she shot twenty gauge in a in a semi automatic. Uh, and then we found out that she actually shoots shot 28 gauge better. Um, and I don't think it was because she actually shot 28 gauge better. I think it was because anytime we went anywhere, she was the only kid with a 28 gauge and it was a placebo effect. (laughs) It's kind of like the color sometimes. Uh, you know, she was the same way with her bow. Like, I don't know that the, the, because the bow was purple, um, had really any deciding factor on making her better. But yeah. in her mind, the purple bow was better for whatever reason. <laughs>
1: well, for the, for the past year, it's pretty much been as whatever ammunition you have, I'll find, find a shotgun to, to fit it. So that's, yeah.
0: this is true. This is yeah. true. Um, and that was one of the good things when, when we went through such a dry spell, we were actually seeing 28 gauge on the shelf so yes, yeah. i did a lot of bird hunting with her 28 gauge because i could get that yeah <laughs> um as far as shotgun games themselves five stands sporting clay trap uh skeets is there any particular one that that you enjoy playing most
1: well sporting clays is is always fun it's you know the scenery is what's great about the, sporting the scenery is the, yeah. the sport is frustrating um i can't lie and so it's, uh, but it's the scenery, and and like you mentioned earlier, the reason why you're out there with friends and family is the camaraderie that comes with it. Right. And yeah. so again, if I'm having fun, I don't spend a lot of time on the marksmanship. Right. Yeah, that's
0: that's me. Yeah, long as I can have fun. Um, well, John, uh, we are going to uh, going to close this one out. I guess I do have the website for those that uh, are curious down below. Highly recommended to check that out, especially if you're looking. Uh, to get some kiddos involved in uh, clay target shooting, or if you're looking to uh, start a club. I mean, I you know, there there has to be – somebody has to do it first. If you're out there saying, hey, I wish that we had this, that, or the other, well, you may be the person that needs to start that and get it rolling. Just keep that that in mind. Um, But uh, just – is there anything that we haven't mentioned, John, we need to talk about before we close out?
1: No, I, I want to appreciate everything you and, and your audience does to help get these kids involved in, in the outdoors. You know, together, we're creating the next uh, generation of outdoor stewards. So anytime the, the parents or schools or administrators or anyone out there has the opportunity to support a kid, to get them off the couch and get them outdoors, yeah. we're all oh, for yeah. it. So thank you to you and your audience that makes that happen.
0: You bet. Thank you for for being here. We uh, definitely enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Clover. Uh, For uh, those that are uh, still with us live and and listening in replay, I want to once again uh, say thanks to mtm-caseguard.com for helping out with the podcast. Use that code CloverTAC 10% off any of the cool stuff they have, of course, over there on the website, MTM Case Guard. Thanks to the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members. Uh, next week, I can't remember who we've got on the podcast. Uh, I think we've got Hootie Who in the house, maybe on Wednesday. And I'm trying to think on, uh, oh, we've got Bursa. I know who we got. We've got Bursa Firearms on arms uh, on Thursday. So join us for those. Um, and if you're, uh, again, if you're listening to this in replay, remember, thanks for all the comments, by the way, live. If you're listening to this replay, Uh, There are comments down below. Uh, So make sure you check those out. Uh, As far as this week of the podcast, we're obviously done. Everybody have a great weekend. Until next time, don't forget to chain fire freedom. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out Clovertac.com. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the CloverTac Podcast.